0: We're in Habakkuk, and I know that you've been just hanging by the seat of your pants for tonight. Remember I left y'all on that big old cliff last week? Y'all been waiting, just thinking if you was going to fall off that thing, wasn't you? Brethren, y'all... That's a bless your heart moment. Help me out a little bit. Yes. All right. I'm excited about Habakkuk. I really am. We're going to look at uh, Habakkuk chapter 2, and I want to just look at verses 2, 3, 4, and 5. That's it. Next week, we're going to get into a little bit of a different lesson talking about uh, woe to the wicked. But I want to spend just a little bit of time talking specifically about how the Lord Answers Habakkuk. You remember uh, in chapter 2, verse 1, after Habakkuk says all these things, he talks about how the Lord was uh, not answering the, the request that he had just like he thought it needed to go. And, and you remember he finishes uh, actually in Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 17, it says, Shall they therefore empty their net? and continue to slay nations without pity? You mean to tell me that you're going to let this group of people come in and take over your people and you're going to allow them to continue to do this over and over? Where are you at, Lord? What is happening? Why are you allowing this to go like this? But then in chapter 2, verse 1, he says, I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart. And watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I am corrected. Verse 2 says this, Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets, that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it surely will surely come, it will not tarry. Behold the proud, His soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. The first thing that I'd like for us to consider this evening is this thought: Judgement is coming. God told him in chapter 1 that it was coming and it was going to come by way of the Babylonians. And here he repeats this thought and he says, write this vision down. Put it on tablets. He says, make it plain because when people come and see this, when this is distributed among the people, I want them to know what it says. Think about what he says right there. He, he says, write the vision in verse 2, that, and make it plain on the tablets that he may run who reads it. This was to be circulated through the land, and, and the message needed to be known. That judgment has come on the house of Israel. This wasn't a lie. Even though the destruction hadn't happened at that point, God in verse 3, he says, For the vision is yet for what, brethren? It's for an appointed time. Once it happens, though, he says, Once this happens, it'll speak and it will not lie. Even though it hasn't happened right now, even though it hasn't gone down in this moment, it will happen. And when it happens, it'll speak for itself because I'm not a liar, amen? God is not a liar. God's words and His promises are certain. He says, though it tarries, wait for it. Because it will surely come, it will not tarry. Think about those comments. But at the end, it'll speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it. Because it will surely come, it will not tarry. Even though his judgments are not immediate, that does not mean God's declaration will not be fulfilled. Now, brethren, think about that application. Think about that application as far as it goes for us. You remember all these judgments that God said would happen, all of these things that would go down. You remember 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, don't you? The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish. But what, brethren? But that all should come to repentance. But you remember what the next verse says? But the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. It's coming. The day of the Lord is coming. Judgment was coming on uh, Judah. Judgment was coming to the house of Israel. Judgment was coming on anybody who was wicked and would not submit to God. And brethren, I stand before you today to say this. The day of the Lord is coming. Think about what Romans 14, 10, and 12 says. But why do you judge your brother? Or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. You want to know what Satan has done? He's got us tricked. He's got us fooled. He's got us blinded to think, you know what, I got time. I can get my life right later on. I want to do the things that I want to do right now, but you know what? There'll come a point when I'll get it straight and I'll I'll get all the things in order that I need to get in order and then I'll serve the Lord like I'm supposed to, but what a scary thought if I'm not prepared. What a scary thought to know that if I am living a life that is not pleasing to God, what may happen to me if my life is over? Or Jesus Christ comes back. It says, For we all shall stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And it says, For it is written. And I want you to think about this, brethren. God says, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me. That's authority. Every knee, whether you like it or not, whether you think you can beat me or not, every knee will bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us shall give an account to himself, of himself to God. Verse four, back in Habakkuk, shows us what is happening. A wicked nation is judged by a sinful nation. There's so much wickedness going on that seeing the Lord in his truth is far from anybody's eyes. Think about what he says in verse 4. Behold the proud. His soul is not upright in him. There is no one innocent. In this circumstance, behold the proud, his soul was not upright in him. If you think back to what we were talking about last week, you remember Habakkuk when he's talking to God. Look at verse 13. He says, you are a purer eyes than to behold evil and cannot look upon wickedness. Why do you look on those who deal treacherously and hold your tongue when the wicked devours a person more righteous than he? Now, wait a minute. Was his people more righteous than the Babylonians? We don't know that. The law was powerless among them. They were doing their own thing. They were living their own way. What does that, what does that uh, bring us to think about, brethren? God is letting Habakkuk know, and all of us as well. We as human beings have a problem. We have a problem. And I'm a part of that problem myself, and if I'm not careful, I'll fall right into it too. You want to know what the problem is? It's called arrogance. Amen? Look at verse 5 in Habakkuk chapter 2. It says, Indeed, because he transgresses by wine, he is a proud man, and he does not stay at home because he enlarges his desire as hell. And he is like death and cannot be satisfied. He gathers to himself all nations and heaps up for himself all peoples. The world tells us that the answer to our problems is to have high self-esteem. The world says that we need to think better about ourselves and by doing so we can deliver ourselves from all these problems. You want to know what God says? God said, here's your problem, you're arrogant. Boy, that smacks me in the face, don't it? (laughs) What? What do you mean? Arrogant. When you think about that word, it just doesn't make you feel good, does it? I don't like that word. I don't don't want to be considered an arrogant type of person. But what is he talking about? We are puffed up, aren't we, brethren? Because we think that we can deliver on any situation ourselves. We don't need any help. Have you ever noticed, and and, and tell me if this is true in your life, it's very true in my life every time I try to do it. Have you ever noticed that the more and more you turn to yourselves for the solution to fix the problem, the more and more this mess just starts growing? And then out of nowhere, this mess just becomes a disaster? Think about this. Our answer to unhappiness in a marriage, in the world's view, is to cheat. Just go get a girlfriend. Or just get divorced. You know what? I'm, we're, I'm tired of it. We, we tried it. It just didn't work out. Our answer to unruly children is we just don't need to discipline them as much. You know? That's the problem. Our answer to sadness is what, brethren? Drinking, drugs, all of these things, right? These fillers. Our answer to happiness, what does the world tell us? Make that money. Wealth, if you got that money, that's going to create happiness for you. But when we try all of those things, all of the things that we think can fill it, right? and we keep God out of the equation, what happens? We end up not being happy anyway, don't we? We still feel empty. We still feel unsatisfied. We still feel like we need to go do something else. But what does the Lord want us to get? What does he want us to understand? Outward appearances aren't going to get it done, are they, brethren? Making everybody think that we're righteous will not fool God. Remember, the judgment is going upon His people. It's going to be passed upon the ones who were supposed to be keeping the law. Maybe they were going through the motions. Maybe they were doing the things that the law said to do. But outwardly, they looked great. But inwardly, they were dead. I love this thought. It stuck with me as I've been preparing for this lesson. Doing external acts for God does not mean that we have the right heart. Am I right about it? Just because I do these external acts and, and we just have the deacons, uh, the elders, deacons, preacher meeting. And man, we got, I appreciate all the deacons that we got, brethren. Pray for the things that we got going on. It is great. But when we just do external acts, just because we have to do it, but our heart isn't in the right place, what's that? Isn't that a little bit arrogant? It may be not arrogant to other people. It may not be arrogant to to your wife, but you want to know who it is absolutely arrogant to? It's arrogant to God. Because you know what you say, I appreciate your way, God, but I got it. I got it. Maybe later I'll just add some of your stuff in. The beauty about God, the beauty about what he sets up for us, this system for us to follow is he wants complete allegiance. I want all of you out and I want all of me in. Now, brethren, tell me this. I'm so excited when I think about this. How much my life has changed over the years. How about you? How much I've grown spiritually. How much I've held back when I used to not hold back, right? How much I'd be willing to lend a hand to say, you know what, I'm sorry, man. Where before I'd be waiting for you to tell me that, right? All of these things that I'm growing and trying to get better at. And when I look back and think about it, I'm like, Lord, I appreciate it so much. But then I get to those tough times. I get to those times that I don't really understand. I get to those perplexed situations like we talked about this morning. And what do I do? I immediately start complaining to God. I immediately start saying, Lord, I've been trying to serve you and look at all these good things that are happening to me. And now all of a sudden, here I am and I'm in a mess. And I'm crying out to you and I get no answer. The Lord says to Habakkuk, Write the vision down. Put it on the tablets. I want everybody to see this. The judgment isn't going anywhere. Arrogance makes us miss what God wants for us. So look at what verse 4 says. He talks about, Behold the proud. He says his soul is not upright in him. And then the end of that it says, but the just shall live by his faith. And there it is. There it is. But see, the just, the righteous, they live by their faith. The righteous are not delivered from difficult times, are you, brethren? When you came up out of the water, did all your problems go away? <laughs> I wish they would have. Come out of the water, you're a brand new Christian, and now all of a sudden you're just floating around, and life is great, and all these problems just dodge you, and, and that's not reality. The righteous are not delivered from difficult times, frustrating times, trials, struggles. We go through all of those things. But see, the righteous, the just, see, they live by their faith in the Almighty. Now that changes the game, don't it? Not by knowledge, not by pride, not by achievements, Not by arrogance, but by faith. See, the just rely on God to help through the problems. And if the problem isn't getting answered right then, they wait, they sit, they pray, they praise. Isn't it hard, brethren, sometimes in those tough times to say, Lord, what a tough time I'm going through. It's breaking me down. But to you, I give you the praise. To you, I give you the glory. See, the just rely on God through problems, through the dark times, when you actually can't see God at work, right? I don't know what is happening, Lord. But this kind of living, this way of living is an everyday way of living, isn't it? Why am I spending so much time on this? Why am I being repetitive in my comments? Why am I doing all these things? Remember what's happening in the context. Habakkuk is talking about Babylon is about to come in and they're about to take over Jerusalem. Now I want you to just, if you want to, I know y'all love Habakkuk and I know y'all have been so engulfed in it. Do this for me. Read Lamentations chapter two on your own time and you will see exactly what was happening when Babylon goes into Jerusalem. Let me just give you a clip. Jeremiah says, my eyes fail with tears. My heart is troubled. My stomach is being poured on the ground because of the destruction of the daughter of my people, because the children and the infants faint in the streets of the city. They say to their mothers, Where's grain and wine? as they swoon like the wounded in the streets of the city, as their life is poured out in their mother's bosom. Could you imagine that picture? Jeremiah goes on to talk about, Lord, is this what you wanted? This punishment? What an eye-awakening thought, brethren. We're not dealing with some genie in the bottle. We are dealing with the almighty God. The creator of everything. Somebody to not be messed with. You want to know what the beginning of knowledge is? You guys know it, don't you, brethren? It's the fear of the Lord. Who God is and what he can do. Boy, I love Jesus. Boy, I appreciate what he's done for me. How about you, brethren? Because of that, I receive mercy. Because of that, I receive grace not because god is out to get me because god is absolutely just and sin is something that he cannot handle because he knows what it happens what happens to us when we get ourselves involved in it How powerful of a statement this is to tell Habakkuk as an answer to his complaints. And how troubling it is to put this in the context to see exactly what is happening or is going to happen in the city. Even in the midst of a terrible time, the Lord is saying to the prophet, go tell everybody This, that the righteous shall live by the faith they have in me. Could you do it? Could you do it? You remember what they said to Jeremiah. Here he was pleading with them, this is about to happen. They said, even though we believe what you're saying, even though we believe it, we're not going to do it. As we sit here tonight, as we think about our lives, I can't tell what's going on in your life. I don't know those things that are happening. But as we think about our lives in whatever situation that we're in, a good time, a middle time, a bad time, a confusing time, whatever that time is, where is our faith? Is it where it needs to be? God tells the prophet that those who are justified live by their faith in him. You know, this quote, the just shall live by faith, it's quoted three times in the New Testament. And so as we get ready to, to wrap this thought up this evening, I want to just spend a little bit of time on those three areas of Scripture just for a little bit of encouragement. The first one comes from Romans chapter 1, verse 17. Turn there in your Bibles, if you will. Romans chapter 1, verse 17. Verse 16, very familiar verse that we all know so well. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. And then in verse 17, he says, For in the righteousness of God, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Paul writes for us to see that God has been faithful to keep his word which is seen in Christ. Amen? And God's righteousness has been revealed through Christ. So the one who has the right standing before God is the one who, and here it is, trusts in his promises See, God promised that the gospel is the power to save. And because I believe that, that increases my faith. How about you? Because I know I'm an old wretched man. I know that I've done some things and I'm going to continue to do things that are just outright disrespectful to the name of Jesus. But you know what? The blessing that I have in Christ is I can ask for forgiveness and I'm forgiven. And you want to know what else is beautiful? Those people who have that like-minded faith, I can talk to them. I can be encouraged by them. The whole concept of coming down in front of everybody to ask for prayers is this thought. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. Why are you doing that? Why are you acting like this? Why are you asking for forgiveness? because the just shall live by faith. Amen? Now think about this. Galatians chapter 3. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 3, verse 11. Galatians chapter 3, and I want to just start in verse 10. It's talking about the law being a curse. He's talking in context about Judaizers trying to come in and make the Gentile Christians be a part of this Jewish way of living as well. It says, For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no one is justified by the law on the side of God is evident. For the just shall live by faith. Yet the law of is not of faith but the man who does them shall live by them now now consider this paul uses this quotation to show that the righteous put their trust in god they put their trust in jesus because no one will be justified anymore under the law therefore we put our trust in him to save us because we can't do it by ourselves. Amen? Think about Habakkuk. Think about these concepts when it comes to the story of Habakkuk. I can't save myself. Jerusalem is about to be taken over. But I can trust in you, Lord. You remember what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said when they were faced with the fiery furnace. You remember? It doesn't matter if we're saved from this or not, or at all, if we're saved from this fire or not. Because we're still going to believe in God, that He's still going to take care of us, right? Man, what kind of faith is that? We put our faith in God because we cannot do it by ourselves. And here's the last one. Hebrews chapter 10. Turn with me, brethren. Just look at this. I appreciate y'all listening to me. I know it's a rainy night and I know that you guys are tired and have had a long day. And I appreciate your attitudes and your hanging with me. Brethren, I just want to tell you one thing. I love you all so very much and I say it every week and I'm not just up here saying it. I am so thankful that you have allowed me to be up here to preach. I appreciate it. Look at what verse 36 says. It says, For you have need of endurance. So that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise for yet a little while and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul." The writer of Hebrews uses this quote in Habakkuk to make the point that they need to persevere through whatever the situation is and to continue to do the will of God because the righteous live by faith. Remember what verse 39 says, but we brethren are not of those who draw back but we're those who believe to the saving of the soul. Brethren, let this be your prayer this week, will you? Will you let this be your prayer? Lord, let me live by my faith in you this week like never before. Lord, let me live by My faith in you like never before. What you say to do, Lord, let me do. Because I love you and I trust you. Will you let that be your prayer this week? Like you've never done it before. You probably have some strong faith up in here. I know you guys have some great faith, but here's what I'm asking you to do. Here's your challenge. Like never before, will you trust him? Will you love him? Will you lean on him? Like never before. Habakkuk's about to have a tough time going through the seas of Jerusalem. What a hard time. I'm glad I've never had to be been a part of something like that. Life is hard, and the turns are so unpredictable. But what God says is true, am I right, brethren? And what he says will happen And all he wants. All he wants is a heart that believes him. Are you that heart? Create in me a clean heart, oh God. And renew a steadfast spirit within me. Maybe you're here today and you need prayers. Pray for the brethren. Remember the sick. Remember the ones who are struggling. Remember all of those things. And you know what? We don't say it enough, but I appreciate all of the answered prayers for all of those things that are going good. How about that? There's some good stuff going on. There are some good things that are happening. People have gotten better. People have gotten over things. And what a blessing that is. But maybe you're here and you're not a Christian. Don't wait. Don't miss the opportunity to be added to this family. A great family that'll love you and take care of you. It's God's family. You do it by way of the gospel, believing who He is, repenting of your sins, confessing His name, saying, you know what? I believe that Jesus is the Son of God and then being baptized in water for the remission, for the forgiveness of your sins, and then you're added to his family. (laughs) On the day of Pentecost, it said, those who gladly received his word were baptized, and they were added to them, to the family. That's the family I love to be a part of. How about you? If you need to obey the gospel, whatever you need, come right now. Together we stand and sing.